week, we are about to celebrate love. If you didn't know, here is your opportunity to know that Valentine's is happening this week. So prepare your heart, get ready, make sure you get to the store. If it's after Friday, you might be getting a huge discount on some Valentine's items. So once again, my name is Tyler West. I'm so thankful that you have made space with us. It was an awesome worship song we just had about standing in the presence of God and standing in his love. And today we're going to kind of have a mini follow-up to what we talked about last Sunday. Uh, just to recap kind of what we did, we talked about how Satan's desire is to be worshipped. And we talked about that God's desire, I'm just putting all my cards on the table, God's desire is you. And so today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and we're going to talk about what God desires, what God desires. Now, last week we talked about Satan desires to be worshiped and, and God created us so that we could express our love for him through worship. And we talked about how Satan was the worship leader in heaven. And, and we learned last week that we are actually made of instruments uh, to be able to worship just like Satan was. Just a just a recap, if you will, kind of hold your ears if it gets a little loud here in a minute. But we talked about uh, we have stringed instruments inside of us and our vocal chords, if you remember. We talked about the wind instrument inside of us. And the voice we have is when wind goes over those chords and it causes us to make sound. And last but not least, we talked about how we have percussion in us or a tambourine in us. When we clap, doesn't mean we got rhythm, so don't be trying to bust out a move like that. But we talked about that last week and how each and every one of us are also able to worship just like Satan was able to be the worship leader. And there's no more greater joy for Satan than to try to steal the worship you have for God by taking it himself. So today, let's talk about what God desires. So I've got three things for you today. Nothing too crazy. You know me, always going to have at least three points. So today we're going to learn about what God desires. And once again, my cards are out on the table. God's desire is you. But number one, I want to tell you today, as we learn about God's desire, is we have to understand that God made me from him. God made me from him. Now, now, when I say made me from him, it also means God made me out of him. And to, to start this off, I want you to understand that when God wanted something, he spoke to what he wanted it to come from. And to add to that, and he sustained it by it and to return to it. So I'm going to say it one more time for us. When God wanted something from the creation of the earth, he spoke to the thing that he wanted to be made and what he wanted it to come from. And the thing that it came from was the thing that was going to sustain it and return to it. Now, we're going to unpack that a little bit. I know that's a big, long thing. It's a terrible run-on sentence if you like grammatically things. But it's really, really theologically sound. So hang in here with me, and I want to talk to you about it. So one thing we got to clear up when I say that God made me from him is this. Something you may not have ever seen in your Bible is there's a difference and being created and being made. And being created and being made. Now, a lot of us right now, you may be, the gears are grinding. If I come to your house this afternoon and you say, I created this banana pudding for you, uh, I'd probably kiss you right on the mouth and say thank you for that because that's an amazing thing. But really, when you say you created it, you didn't really create it. You made it. Now, here's how we have to have the differentiation between it. Because in our English culture, we say, I created this pottery. Well, you didn't create it. You really made it. And, and, and I created this thing, and, and you, didn't, you didn't create it. You made it. Something came out of you. You took ingredients that were already there and formed it into something else. So the definition for create theology, the, theologically is this. When God created something, he made something out of nothing. That, Think of it this way. God said, let there be light, and the light was there. He created something out of nothing when the earth was born and formless. But we're going to see here in a little bit, there is a difference, though, because he also made some things. And some, ver some words you may not have paid attention to in your Bible today is when God made something, it means he formed something out of something else. And this is really what we do once again. We, 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 don't, we can't really create anything. We just, we just form something out of something else. And so really quickly, that, that statement I said just a moment ago was this. When God wanted something, he spoke to what he wanted it to come from and to be sustained by and to return to. 
Let me show you this difference between make and create. If you've got your Bible today, uh, we're going to be hanging out in Genesis. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, you're going to be able to see it on the screen. Our Vine production team does an incredible job doing that each and every week. But also, you can hang out with us on the Bible app. You know how to follow along there. If you want to open that up, you'll see us in the events. You can follow along there, and you can take notes there. But today, we're going to start in Genesis 1, the very first chapter of the Bible, right at the beginning. It's an easy one to find. shouldn't have to cheat off your neighbor to find that one. And we're going to start with verse 11 and see this difference between create and make. Now, pay attention to the words here. Verse 11 says, Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Now, this is what I wanted to tell you to pay attention to. God didn't say, let there be trees and trees pop up. He said, let the land produce. Let the land make vegetation. Let the land produce things. Let the earth create things. And what happens with a tree when it is made? Well, a tree goes in full bloom. It bears fruit. It is sustained by the earth that it comes from. And until it dies, it goes back to the earth that it came from. So when God wanted to make something, he spoke to what he wanted it to come out of. And that thing is what sustains it until it returns back to the thing that made it. Now, this is important. We're going to go back to this in just a little bit. So once again, let the land produce. Let the land make. I want us to see in verse 20 how it continues to go that way. And it says, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let the bird fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. Now think about this. Once again, he says, if you were to look in another version, he says, Let the sea have sea creatures within them. So in other words, fish are sustained by the sea. When they die, they go back into the sea. They were made in the sea. I'm not going to break out the Little Mermaid song, even though that's probably playing in your head right now. By the way, love floundering Little Mermaid. But when we can see this is God made the, the, the fish to be teeming in the sea. It was sustained by the sea. It goes back into the sea. Keep hanging in here with me on this point. Verse 24 says it this way. And God said, let the land produce, let the land make living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its own kind. And it was so. Once again, God didn't say, let there be dog, and dog just showed up. That isn't what he did. He said, let the land produce living creatures. Now think about an animal. An animal is also, even though they can reproduce, they are sustained by vegetation on the land. They are sustained by the land. And once they pass away, they go back into the land that they were made from. This is so important for us to see this. So I want to say it again so that we can rally around this point. Because I believe it can be an aha moment here in just a moment. When God wanted something, he spoke to what he wanted it to come from or be made out of and to be sustained by and to return to. This is so important because if we can see the difference between in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and formless and his spirit hovered over the deep. If we can see the difference in creation versus what we just learned about when God said let us make or make or produce, we can see this turning point in verse 26, that one that we probably know familiar here in Genesis 1, but look at this and look at it through the lens of make verse create. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all of the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Don't miss, this is so important. When God said he wanted to make mankind, we, we brushed the surface on this last week, but when God said he wanted to make mankind, he looked at himself and made mankind from himself. That's important to us because that tells you and I right now about what God's desire is, is we came from God, we are sustained by God, and one day we return to God. We've talked about that and you asked for it, whether we, which judgment we will sit in, go check that out when we answer the question, what happens after you die? But I want you to understand the difference in when God said, let us make man in our own image, versus somebody would come to me and say, yeah, but don't our bodies die? 
Well, yeah, we're going to unpack that here in a second, but understand what, what God said is let us make man in our own image. And then on the sixth day, he created man out of the earth. So your spirit is made from God, sustained by God, returns to God from one of those two judgments, but your body, mine and your body, is from the soil of the earth to be sustained by the earth to one day return to the earth. Think about it. Fruits, vegetables, macaroni and cheese, nanner pudding, all that kind of stuff are things that we live off of here on this earth. God is sustaining us. Remember, Jesus said man cannot live on bread alone. He must live out of every word that comes from the mouth of God. We, we are sustained physically by the things on this earth, which is why physically we return to the earth, and spiritually we are sustained by God because he made us. So our bodies will return to the earth, but our spirit one day will return to God for one of the two judgments. So we have to understand when we look at this and we learn really what God desires, we have to understand for all of us that God made me from him. So let me ask you this real quick before we move on in this. What would happen if a tree in your front yard, now I know we've had some storms, so this is a delicate subject right now, but hang in here with me. What would happen if a tree in your front yard looked at the dirt that it was sitting in and it said, you know, I, I don't kind of know about this. I, I kind of think I'm just going to pick up my roots and go somewhere else. I think I'm just going to strike it out on my own. And, uh, you know, it's been a good run. We've had a good run. It's been a good location, but it's just, you know, it's just not right for me anymore. What would happen to that tree? You're right. It would die because it uprooted itself. It no longer has sustenance. It no longer can live. Trees can't just do that. It has to have the aid of someone to do that. And I want you to think about that for each and every one of us because God looked at Adam in the garden and told Adam and Eve that they could have everything that was in the garden, but they couldn't eat from two different trees, a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he said to them, when you make a choice to turn from me, that very day you will die. My friends, that's exactly what we chose in the garden. We were just like that tree. We decided that we could uproot and strike it out on our own and knew better than God, and we lost everything that sustains us. And once again, many may ask, well, why didn't Adam and Eve die right away? Well, when God said you will die that day, he was talking about their spirit being an eternal death. You're going to see that here in a verse in a minute when you say that. But then after their spirit was an eternal death, their bodies physically after that followed along into death. See, this is how I know that each and every one of us were spiritually dead. We just go straight to the word of God and, and learn from the word of God. Let's look at the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2.1. It says for this, as for you, you were what? D-E-A-D, -E dead. You were dead. Me and you, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We had no hope. We weren't living. We might have been breathing, but we were not living. We were spiritually dead, each and every one of us. That's exactly what was chosen in the garden. John 10, 10 says it this way, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full, the thing that that verse gets thrown around so many times when we look in the world and the culture that we live in, I want you to see this. Yes, Jesus came to give us a life to the full, but more importantly, he's responding to Ephesians 2, 1. What Jesus came to do is to give us life because we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead. We have to understand that we were made from God. We weren't made from a one-night stand. We weren't made by happenstance. We weren't made on a Valentine's romance gone wrong. We weren't just made for nothing. We were born spiritually dead, but God loved us enough as we saw in the opener that we have hope. We're going to continue to unpack that hope now, but we have to understand that each and every one of us were made from God. Number two, God made me like him. Not only were we made from God, we are made like God. Remember it said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. Now when God's talking here, what I'm talking about here is Adam is in the garden and he is yet to sin at this moment. And so he is in a perfect relationship with God. He acts like God. He talks like God. He walks like God. He, he thinks like God. As a matter of fact, he's a 
spitting image of God in this moment because God made him out of him. And what ends up happening is Adam has a desire. He has a desire. And the reason that we know that Adam also has a desire, as we can see in Genesis 2.20, it answers that. It says this, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the bird in the sky, and the wild animals. But for Adam, pay attention, there was no suitable helper was found. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. This is important, especially as we go into this Valentine's Day season. As we go into this season, looking for love and all. I'm just kidding. We're not going to open that one. Like looking for love in the wrong place. Like Adam has a desire. God says, hey, listen, like I imagine the conversation was like this. Adam's like, Every day, him and God are meeting up. God's asking him, hey, man, how's things going? How are you liking the garden? Hey, did you see all these animals that, that are here? How about this creation? And Adam's talking to him, and it just comes up eventually. It's like, there's just something missing, God. Like, I know you just, you made this earth, and you made me in like six days, and I know you're really, really busy and doing all of that, but there's there's just something missing that I desire something more. And the reason we know that is why in the world would the Bible say that no suitable helper was found for him if Adam wasn't first of all looking? So I imagine like he, he comes up and he's he's naming the giraffes, calling them giraffes. And he was like, well, that, that's not a suitable helper for me. That that doesn't work. And then, then he sees a hippopotamus and he was like, Man, you know, like, what if there was a game called Hungry Hungry Hippos one day and everybody had, had fun with that, but that, that, you're not a suitable helper for me. And he, and he looks up and he sees an eagle in the sky and he was like, man, that's really cool. Like, you're, you're going to be like a, a nation. You're going to be a symbol of a nation one day, but like, you're not a suitable helper for me. Like, I imagine Adam's in this moment and he's searching for something that's just not there. He looks at God and he's probably saying something like this. I'm lonely, God. Like, I've got all of this. I've, you've given me all of this. I have all of these things, but I desire something more. There's just something missing inside of me. I'm lonely, God. Can you help me? And there's something I want. I don't know what it is that's missing, but please help me. And so God says, I tell you what, keep it naming the animals. There's thousands more to name. Take care of the garden, and I'm going to help you. And all of a sudden, we see that Adam falls asleep. He wakes up one day, and all of a sudden, this thing appears in front of him. And we answered this last week. That's when he stood up, and he was like, whoa, man. Like, I like that. Whatever that is, I want. I'm pretty sure hallelujah was screamed at that time. Like, Adam is excited. He's finally got a companion. He's finally got someone who thinks like him, talks like him, walks like him, is obviously a little different than him, but is something that is like him, that, that, that is a companion to him, that is a suitable helper for him. And the Hebrew word woe man literally means out of man. This woman came when we talked about the rib being removed, if you've ever read the creation story. But what's important for us to see here is we can see that God knew Adam desired something more. Real quick side note, we touched this last week. When God made man, the Hebrew word for man literally means like he squeezed it out. He squeezed man from the earth. Like he squeezed the body out. He squeezed it out. For woman, it, the, the Hebrew word means he fashioned. He fashioned it out. Now how cool is that? Aren't you glad that he fashioned women out and he squeezed men out? Like if I could think of personality different, if I could think of things biologically speaking, like seriously, for a man, yep, they squeezed him out. That's it. There he is. He's right there. Like I think about that verse when a female being created, he, he fashioned her. He fashioned her to be the suitable helper of Adam. I don't know why I find that so humorous, but I do. And so now we can answer this question. How did God alone know that the only thing that could satisfy Adam's desire, that could satisfy what Adam was looking for, was a companion. Why in the world would he not say, hey Adam, here's a barbecue grill. Here's what you're going to end up doing with that barbecue grill. There are going to be those little things you call pigs going along, and you're going to be able to have this huge barbecue and enjoy it with everyone in the garden. Why in the world wouldn't he have told Adam, hey, there's this huge muscle car you want, like American muscle. Like, it's an old school Dodge Charger. Like, it's ready to go, fired up, ready to go. I mean, it, you know, it, it's ready to hammer to pedal to the metal, whatever it looks like. Think of the Daytona 500 coming up. Like, why why in the world did God not choose an object like that to fulfill Adam's desire and instead choose a companion? 
remember, God made me from him, and God made me like him. You see, the reason that that's important for us to know is that God knows Adam talked like God, walked like God, thought like God in this moment, and he desires what God desires. You see, we answered the question last week. You're going to see this theme all the way through, and we'll even come back to it at the end today. But God's desire is you. The only way that God would know what would fill Adam's desire for a companion is because that's what God desired specifically for his son, Jesus, a companion, a bride. When we look at the Bible, we see that the Bible is literally, I've heard it said this way, and I love it because it's so true. The Bible is God's love letter to his son about his bride to be delivered on his wedding day. One more time. God's, the Bible is God's love letter to his son, the groom, about his bride, you and I, to be delivered on the wedding day, the wedding feast of the Lamb, where we will celebrate eternity in heaven. You see, God knows the desire that Adam had because God knows the desire he had for you and I for his son. You see, I want you to know the reason that's so important is God wants to spend every day with you. He wants to get to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. Yes, he created you, but he made you, but he also gave you a will because in our life, we have to understand if we were just drones, we talked about it last week, we aren't Daleks, we aren't droids, we aren't people that, that are mindless uh, sycophants, if you will. Like We aren't people like that. Instead, we have a will because to truly love something, you have to have a will. So God gave us a choice whether we choose to love him or not. And so I want you to see that Adam's desire was fulfilled in having a companion. And how did God know? Because God made me like him. Third thing, God made me to love him. God made me to love him. God made me to love him. When we look at this, I want you to know the reason that God made me from him, God made me like him, and God made me to love him is we unpacked that so well last week when we talk about Satan's desires to be worshipped. But realistically, worship is literally us giving God's breath back to him. He loves for us to give his breath back. He loves to be in communion with us. He loves to be in community with us. He is a giving God. God is not a God that will ever receive something and not give it back. We, we brushed the surface again last week, but when, when the 5,000 were being fed, it was five loaves and two fish. When it came to Jesus, he prayed over it. It was multiplied. Twelve basketfuls were left over. When we look at, at the woman who was bleeding uncontrollably for years and years, spent all of her money and medical doctors, she came and said, if I just touch the cloak of Jesus and I receive his healing, I will be set free. And lo and behold, right away, she was set free when she reached out to touch him. When we look at the man that was that was in the temple that had the shriveled hand and he had hidden his right hand his whole life in his pocket because he was ashamed of it because in Jewish culture that was the power hand. He came to Jesus and Jesus healed his hand and restored it and he reached out and touched him. What I want you to see through worship and how God made us to love him is if we will just make the effort to reach out and touch him, he will not leave it void. He is not a God that does that. He is a God that is a giving God. And so for each and every one of us, that's why we talk about giving here at the Vine. And we don't talk about a number or a percentage when we talk about giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. God will never return void his word. He will never return back not more than we gave to him. That is just not the God we are. Automatically when we give to him, he's going to give back more. This isn't prosperity gospel. You know that I don't speak it that way. But I will tell you, if you will give of your time, talent, and treasure to God, he will not return it void. What I mean by that is when you live your life of worship and giving God's breath back to him through prayer, through spending time in his word, and living a life of worship by loving God and loving others, it won't return void because God made you and I to love him. God made me to love him. But what we can't miss out on is this. We have to make the effort to reach out and touch him. That woman who was bleeding had to make the effort to reach out and touch him. That little boy who had the five loaves and, and two fish had to reach out and open-handedly give it so that the thousands could be fed. That man with the shriveled hand in the temple, he had to reach out and be touched. The man with leprosy that Jesus set free and healed had to reach out and be touched. We have to make an effort to reach 
out and to receive what God is trying to give us. And so many times when I look at church and I hear about services, because here at the Vine Church, it's not just about us. It's about the name of Jesus. We are one church. The local church is the hope of the world. We're not here to bash churches and put churches down. But many times when I hear things and people talk about churches, I hear this. Well, I didn't really get anything out of the message. I didn't really get anything out of that. And I want to go ahead and give you my answer to that right now because I'm going to give you a question when you ask me that or when you say that to me. I'm going to ask you what you gave. I'm going to ask you, did you give of your time, your talent, your treasure in that space to what God called you to do? Did you walk in obedience? What did you give? Did you reach out and try to touch it? Because I guarantee you, if you didn't get anything out of it, it's because you didn't reach out first. And that's what God calls us to do. That's the will we have to show him our love. And so for each and every one of us, I want us to know that and see that and feel that and understand that God made us to love him. And when we worship and live our life of worship, it's us reaching out to him. And so if you want to get something out of every message, I want to ask you, what are you giving to God in that moment? Are you trusting him in full surrender to bless the time that he has that he's called you to be here and called you to be appointed in that? And if you have, I promise you, he will obediently tell you what your next step is. And when you walk in that and you reach out and touch him in that and trust him in that, you will see how he made you to love him and you will experience the love he has for you like never before. Because when we reach out and touch God, like when we see Jesus, when the miracles came, it was immediate. It's immediate. Now, it's in his timing. Absolutely. It's not going to be before and it's not going to be after. It's going to be in his absolute timing. But if we will reach out and touch him, I'm telling you, you'll have a response from him. And so I want you to know today, if you will touch God in worship, he will touch you back. If you will touch God in prayer and reach out to him in prayer, he will touch you back. If you touch God in the word by diving in the word and reading the Bible and obediently setting aside space and time to be in his word, he will touch you and you will leave those moments better than how you walked in them. Because realistically, worship is giving God's breath back to him, yes. But it's an expression of our love to him because he first loved us. You want your life to go to the next level? Reach out and touch God today. Ask him what he would have you do. Trust him in that because I want you to know when you reach out to him, you'll never, never, never come back worse than when you walked in. You'll always leave better than how you walked in. Now, one of the things we got to share last week, and I'm about to grab some water because I'm about to go in on this, and it's something that I'm just going to keep rallying around. You know what? If we never had a message and we just read these verses every day, I think that we would be so fired up for God and we would be willing to reach out to God because when we see that God made us to love him, we see what his heart cry is for us. So uh, once again, I'm not going to we're not going to sit here. You're not going to see all the verses on the screen. You're going to see the scriptural references. And I'm just going to ask you to sit back and take this in. Watch it later if you want the scriptural references. But when I, the reason I read this and the reason that we read this last week, we're reading it again this week when we're talking about really, truly unpacking what God desires is this phrase shows up in the Bible. I, it stands out in the Bible more to me than anything. But I'm telling you, the way that this phrase shows up in the Bible just shows God's heart cry for us like never before. So I'm going to read these verses. You're going to see the references pop up on screen. So hang in here with me, and we're going to get through these, okay? See if you can pick up what God's desire is. Exodus 6, 7 says this, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Leviticus 26, 12 says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. But I... Jeremiah 7.23 says, But I give them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all that I command you, that it may go well with you. Jeremiah 11.4 says this, The terms I commanded your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the iron-smelting furnace, I said, Obey me, and do everything I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 24.7 talks about the new covenant that is Jesus the Messiah to come. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all of their heart. Jeremiah 30, 22 says, so you will be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel eleven twenty 20 says, 
Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel 14, 11 says, Then the people of Israel will no longer stray from me, nor will they defile themselves anymore with their sins. They will be my people and I will be their God, declares the sovereign Lord. Ezekiel 36, 28 then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God, Ezekiel 37, 23. Then they will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God, Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people, Hosea 2. 23, this is to the Gentiles, you and me, when he writes this, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. Then you will say you are my God. Zechariah 8, 8 says, I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. Zechariah 13, 9 says, the third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say these are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. What, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God. They will be my people. Hebrews 8, 10 says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Revelation 21, 1 through 3 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the dwelling place is now, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be, and he will be, excuse me, their God. If you don't get anything from today, if you didn't get anything from what we hung out learning last week, yes, God made me. Yes, God made me like him, and yes, God made me to love him. But the thing you have to know if you really want to know what God desires is God desires me. God desires me. God desires you. He is after you and me. God desires you and I both. This is all throughout the Bible. We can see that God desires me. I want you to know that even in this season that you're in, you may think in this Valentine's Day season that, that man, I didn't get the card from this person, the teddy bear, the chocolate, the flowers, the limousine ride, the, the expensive dinner out. I didn't get all these things. No one desires me. And I want you to think where Adam was in that garden, he was working, obediently doing what God was calling him to do. And he desired something more, but God knew the thing that he desired was a companion, a relationship. He wanted to have something more, something that had sustenance, something that had meaning. And what I want you and I to see today is that's what God desires from you and I. He wants each and every one of us to be in a relationship with him, to be exactly who we were created to be. Because since the garden, when Adam and Eve chose sin and they decided to be like that tree, ripping up its root to go live on their own and be their own way and said their way was better than God's way. God said, you're going to die when you choose that. But he loved us enough that he made a way. He said, I don't want you to walk around like a zombie dead spiritually. I want you to return to me, to be with me for eternity and have a companion in me in eternity, to have someone to talk to, to be with someone who desires you, who desires you to be the best that you were created to be. And because of that, he gave his son who loved us, who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, died the death we deserved on the cross but loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we could live out heaven on earth as now as it is in heaven. We can live out heaven now. We don't have to wait to experience God's promise. We don't have to wait to experience the relationship with him. We don't have to any longer walk around feeling like we aren't desired because the one that desires us the most, we meet with every day. We reach out and touch him and he reciprocates even more back because he's a giving God. And so today I want you to understand that God desires you. God desires me. I want you to know that God wants to marry you. He wants to be in a relationship with you and live heaven and live happily ever after. As a matter of fact, when I say this, I want you to know that this is what I mean. He's worked out all the details of the wedding through this thing called grace. Grace has all the details planned, and he's covered us with our grace. It's not about our past mistakes. It's not about us earning our way to him. It's us reaching out and receiving the gift 
that he willingly gives us. It's reaching out and understanding that we are dead without Christ. But God has already worked out the details through yes, that if we just, through grace, that if we just say yes to him, we get to become his bride. All of our sins are washed away. All of our sins are cleansed. They're removed. As a matter of fact, they're removed as far as the east is from the west. He gives us the ability to walk with him for eternity. So today, as we've talked about what God desires, if you get nothing out of everything we ever do at Divine, I want you to know that every breath we utter is for God's glory because we want the world to know that Jesus Christ is our only hope. It is through him that we have life. And it is because of that, I want you to know today that God desires you. You may say, but you, you don't, man, if God knows what I did in my past, if you knew what I did in my, ta in my past, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. As a matter of fact, that might be holding you back from coming to hang out with us on a Sunday. And I want to tell you, don't let it anymore. Don't let the enemy get the back, the best of you from that. I want you to take that step of obedience. Come hang out with us because I want to let you know that in Christ Jesus, you're never too far gone. You may think, well, how could anybody love me if they knew everything that I did? And I want to tell you, no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you today because God desires you. He loves you enough. As a matter of fact, we talk about our spouses all the time and we say, I love you enough that I would die so that you could live. We said it last week and I'm going to say it again because we say it every week. Jesus is saying, I already died for you so that you can live. All you have to do is receive me. I want you to know that nothing else that you've done in your past matters. As a matter of fact, what you're going to do tomorrow is not going to matter. What matters is right now in this moment that you know that God loves you. God loves you. If you think you're just going to blow it again, would you come to God and trust him with that? If you think that, man, like I, I'm never going to be what I was created to be, like all of these things, and, and you've got these 10,000 excuses and 10,000 reasons why you don't need to go to God, I want you to receive the one reason why you should reach out to him today. Because God loves you. He desires you. There's nothing else you're going to find on this planet that can desire you as much as God does, that can love you as much as God does. And so today, I want you to see that if you'll just reach out to him, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And so as we go into this season of love, into this Valentine's Day where we celebrate love, I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you can live that love that's greater than that each and every day. Because God desires you. We say it all the time, but John 3, 16 and, and 17 reminds us of the love that God has for us. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's not many people that we would say would die for us. There's not. You might can name a handful of people who were, but can you say that someone died for you before you took your first breath on this earth? And I want to tell you, God loves you enough that he sent the only thing that he had, which was his only son, his only son to make a way for each and every one of us to be in a relationship with him, to make a way for each and every one of us to experience the love that only he can give. So as we go into this season, I just want to ask you today, have you ever experienced the love of Jesus Christ? Have you ever experienced the love of God? Have you ever reached out and received a free gift of salvation? We say it all the time. I want you to understand because we want you to get it. I want you to know it. We're going to return to God one day. And how we live our life on this earth will be how we are judged. And in this moment, in this moment, you can reach out and receive the free gift of salvation or you can turn it away again. But I just want to ask you in your entire life, all those times that you've not received the free gift of salvation, that you've turned it away, that you've given every excuse of why you don't need to be in a relationship with God, I want to ask you how it's working out for you. Because there is no greater love that you can find than that that is in Christ Jesus. Will you just trust him today? 
Will you take that step? Will you understand that, that your love is not found in a card, is not found in a teddy bear, is not found in a rose, is not found in a chocolate rose, is not found in a, a heart-shaped box, that your the best love that you could ever receive is only that from Christ Jesus because he died for you and I even when we were sinners, even before we willingly received a free gift of salvation. So we're going to say a prayer here in a minute. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's not a checkbox it's, it's, it's not these exact magical words that get you saved. No, no, no. It's faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And what we're about to pray here in a minute is this prayer where we're going to reach out to God. And we're going to let God know that we understand that we are a sinner destined to die because of that sin. And we're going to know that Jesus came to pay the price for that sin by dying on the cross for our sins and loving us enough that he didn't stay dead he rose again so that we could live the John 10, 10 full life now. We don't have to wait until eternity to experience it. And we're just going to ask him that to take over our life and surrender our entire life to him. And we're going to receive the free gift of salvation. So today, if that's you, we're going to pray out loud as a family together. So if you're watching online right now, I'm just going to ask you to pray with us out loud with faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And we pray as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to the faith for the first time. So I'm going to ask everyone to please repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved on the cross for my sins. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again, so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And on the count of three, if for the first time you can say that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to see a hand that's raised. I'm going to ask you to click on it. I'm going to ask you to celebrate with us on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, and for the first time today, you said that you have received the free gift of salvation, that you have stepped into experience the fullness of God's love today, the fullness of living out being exactly who you were created to be, because for the first time today, you can see that God just desires you. He doesn't desire your things. He doesn't desire your sacrifice. He doesn't desire your service. He just desires you. If you can say for the first time today that that's you, would you let us know by clicking that hand? Would you let us know by reaching out to prayer at thevine.tv or 864-580-6698? You can call and talk with us or shoot us a text message. We would love to talk with you. And for everyone else right now, we're about to, to have a worship song and then we'll have one more thing before we wrap up. But I just want to say today, especially as we go into this Valentine's season, we're about to sing about no other love. We're going to talk about the love that only comes from Christ. So I just want to ask you in this moment, will you reach out and touch God and be reminded that there is no other love on this earth like the love of the Father? Let's worship together. Y'all stand up and sing with us.
Well, speaking of love, what we were going to be doing today, but the weather didn't cooperate, is we're going to be kicking off our series called Relationship Goals. But here's the good news. We're going to kick it off next week. Instead, we're going to be walking through the book of Ruth. So whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're recently out of a relationship, or you're not quite sure, this series is going to have something for you as we talk about the goals of relationship through this series. Uh, we'll be walking through Ruth, uh, and I'm telling you right now, we're going to experience the love of the Father like never before. So I just want to say thank you to each and every person that took time to be with us today. Thank you for making space with us. Whatever you do throughout this week, will you just walk in the love of Christ? Will you just reach out to Him and touch Him? Will, will you will you walk out, walk in prayer and reach out and touch with Him? Will you walk in the Word with Him throughout this week and reach out and touch with Him? Will you, will you just walk out in your worship and everything you do and trust Him that He will do what He said He's going to do and that He desires you today? And I'm telling you, if you experience that, you can't help but share it with each and every person that you come in contact with. So as we get ready for relationship goals next week, be praying up uh, our guest speaker and our teaching pastor. He's not really a guest speaker. He's part of our family, but our teaching pastor, Alex Hanby of Hope Rising Ministry is going to be kicking off our relationship goal series next week. Just a reminder, here's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Whoa!